0: hi and welcome back to the wild em podcast where our goal is bringing you better care out there recently i've had the chance to start getting involved with some wilderness medicine teaching with boreal river now long before doing any teaching though i took a whitewater rescue course with them and more recently a wilderness first responder course and i cannot say enough good things about their team so check them out at borealriver.com but the reason i'm talking about this is teaching for the first time on one of these courses simulations are a big part of where the learning happens. And this got me thinking about some parallels that could be drawn between simulation on a wilderness first responder course and healthcare simulation, which I'm lucky enough to be involved in on a regular basis at my hospital. Therefore, suspecting that some of you are also outdoor educators, I thought I would share a very interesting article and approach to simulation debriefing called Promoting Excellence and Reflective Learning in Simulation, short for Pearls, and this was published by Epic and Chung in 2015. You're listening to M. Podcasts. First off, why is this important? Well so much goes down during a simulation, but all that happens and is experienced by the participants may not necessarily lead to learning, unfortunately. Therefore, the act of participation in a simulation alone isn't optimal to one's learning, and rather it is during a well-performed debriefing that reflection is facilitated to lead to changes in conceptualization and experimentation, as described in Kolb's experiential learning cycle. Now there isn't a one-size-fits-all for debriefing simulation and many different tools exist my aim here is to describe a tool that i found very intuitive to use and that i've stuck with um, pretty much all the time for the first years when i was doing healthcare simulation also i want to say i believe a debriefing tool should be just as stated a tool in your toolbox rather than a rigid approach and that different tools are used in different contexts Therefore, I'm not saying this healthcare debriefing tool is the only way to do things for wilderness medicine courses, but definitely something worth reviewing to incorporate some ideas that may make sense in your practice. So before jumping into the pearls tool, I want to mention that before the simulation and debriefing takes place, pre-briefing the learners is super important to clarify objectives, state expectations, and especially create a safe learning space. Now, this in itself is a big topic, so we'll focus on that another time. So now, the simulation just ended. You gather the learners together to debrief as you remember the first step in the pearls tool. Reactions phase. During this phase, you want to ask participants how they are feeling to allow them to vent any emotions if needed. I find that you really need to let people know in the pre-brief that there will be a reactions phase after the simulation as this can catch people off guard. Sometimes learners will already be getting into the medical stuff rather than talking about their emotions. And without diving right away into the topics that they bring up, I'll still make a note of it for later in the debrief. But nonetheless, this part is always important. As if someone is upset after the simulation, until he or she can get that off their chest, they likely won't be engaged in the rest of the discussion. So this phase gives them that opportunity. Number two, description phase. Here you want to ask the learners to come up with a one liner of the simulation. Was this a severely hyperthermic patient, hypothermic patient, a patient in anaphylactic shock, or someone with a massive heart attack? I find this phase useful to make sure we're all on the same page, but also to practice summarizing key information in a concise way. For example, I'll often find a simulated patient to be described as having blunt trauma to the abdomen, being in pain, with a high pulse rate, and also having a low blood pressure or absent peripheral pulses. And all this could instead be described as a traumatic patient with abdominal trauma in presumed hemorrhagic shock. Using terms like hemorrhagic shock, rather than describing the low blood pressure, high heart rate, is not only a much more efficient way of communicating, but it also rapidly creates a shared mental model among the team that don't need to interpret each data point and come to their own conclusion. Rather, they hear hemorrhagic shock and rapidly understand, A, this is no bueno. And B, what are the likely next steps are to treat this in their environment? Number three, the analysis phase. This is where the majority of the debrief happens. When starting this phase, I like to open up with one of the following questions to everyone. Okay. So what went well here and what did you all find challenging? And then I pause. I like having a whiteboard to write down stuff if a lot of good discussion material is coming up quickly. When something is brought up, I usually like to go probing a bit more and say things like, hmm, why did you find that challenging? Or, why did you think your team's communication was so good? Here, I'm trying to get really specific about things that were done positively. So, for example, avoid telling someone that they're a good leader. Keep it up but rather you exerted good leadership skills when you were judicious in your use of the resources and allocated one rescuer to each of the patients, for example. And when challenges are brought up, I find it's worth questioning a bit more as well to figure out what the frame of mind of the learner is. So for example, if it's brought up that it was tough to treat the patient's anaphylaxis because there were so many treatments to give at once, it might be interesting to probe deeper with a question such as, so what treatments are life-saving? or what were your priorities when trying to treat the patient's anaphylaxis? Using questions to understand the learner's frame of mind and facilitate reflection can be a very powerful tool for learning, but it requires a pretty engaged and reflective group. In some situations, such as when time is short or when the basic knowledge is unavailable, I'll shift into teaching mode rather than inquiring. An example for this would be when talking about the treatment for anaphylaxis. If someone knows none of the treatments, then there is no point inquiring any further to try and have them recall them and then prioritize them. Rather, teaching is in order here. In my experience, I've found that shifting from teaching to inquiring is very dynamic and you need to adjust throughout all the debriefing to meet the learner's needs. Definitely easier said than done. Now, during this phase, asking the learners for areas where they performed well and challenging areas is key to being learner-centered. But this must also be balanced with important points that cannot be overlooked. Say, for example, you are debriefing a simulation in the context of an advanced cardiac life support course, or ACLS course, And each pulse check is taking over 30 seconds, then it would be very important to bring this up or bring this point up in the debrief as well, as this can't be overlooked. Finding this balance between learner centered objectives and your own agenda can also be quite challenging. As things are moving along, I like to ask often if everything is clear or if there are any questions. I do so to avoid asking this at the very end of the debrief, where a very important point to clarify may come up when not enough time is available to do so. Having done this mistake more than once, I would recommend avoiding this open-ended question to wrap things up. The summary phase. Rather, I like to close up by asking everyone to reflect and name one thing they learned in the simulation and debrief, anything at all. This helps with some spaced repetition and cultivating reflective practice, as well as sharing key learning points amongst the learners sometimes in this phase i like to also jump in at the end with something that i've learned or to drive home an important point that wasn't mentioned all right so there you have it we have went over the pearls tool for simulation debriefing i would strongly encourage you to go over the article yourself and again this is the pearls tool for debriefing published by epic and chunk in 2015. as a quick reminder remember after a simulation the four phases of the pearls framework are Number one, reaction phase. Number two, description. Number three, the analysis. And finally, number four, the summary. And knowing that this tool might not be directly applicable to your education practice, I hope that you can still integrate some elements of the tool in your next simulation debrief. All right, there you have it. That's it for today's episode. And until next time, remember to keep your crampons in the ice.